Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. remember not too terribly long ago when uh, the cover of Sports Illustrated mattered. It was something that you kept, that you bought, that you framed. I've got, oh, I've got boxes full of old Sports Illustrated covers in my house right now. Oh, I've got probably 100, 200 of them. And one of them features Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You guys remember back in 2014. Was it Mississippi Mayhem is what the cover said. And they uh, did some fancy Photoshop work to make it look like a group of Ole Miss players were not chest bumping. It's like the thing they do with their shoulders now. Uh, Each other in celebration after Ole Miss and Mississippi State were both ranked in the top four in college football and on top of the world. You guys remember that? How could you forget? A lot of things have happened since then. We had scandal with the NCAA and otherwise. We had coaching turnover two times. I mean, Freeze left, in steps Matt Luke, he left. Dan Mullen leaves, in steps Joe Moorhead, his quarterback gets punched in the face at practice, and then he's gone, and in steps Mike Leach. A lot has changed since then, but you guys, I know, have not forgotten the feeling that you had on that day, during that time, and and I don't either. I, I can't. I remember that very vividly when this state was on top of the college football world. Now, I am not going to pretend like baseball, is anything remotely close to that of football. And to tell you the truth, nationally, from a viewership perspective, baseball's not even softball anymore. However, today feels like it did back then. Today is a day where Mississippi could send two teams to Omaha. That can happen today. This state, this state, getting 25% of the participants in the College World Series, that could happen today. Will it make a Sports Illustrated cover? Probably not. I mean, at this point, do you care anymore if it makes a cover of Sports Illustrated? No. But that's how it feels today. And it is so cool to say that out loud, that there's an opportunity today to send two teams to the College World Series. Welcome into Sports Sunday. I am Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. Speaking of magazines, Stephen told me that the airport was trying to charge him $14 for a magazine. Yeah, I don't what care. What 
It was a Food Network thing with like a, a bunch of different pasta recipes. I was like, this will be a good read on the plane. Maybe I'll pick up something. I can make it during the week. But yeah, the guy told me it was $14. I instantly put it down and walked out of the little airport store or whatever that thing is. But yeah, I don't care what's on the cover. For $14, I would not buy it. Uh, Ken gets us started on the text line. If you want to be like Ken, you can. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Ken, trying to get me in trouble this morning. How many swimsuit editions do you have? (laughs) Um, About a dozen or so. You know, I thought they would be valuable. And I guess not, because I looked... um, like I, I looked up, you know, people on eBay or whatever trying to sell old swimsuit editions, and, and the modern ones really don't have any value to them. Like twenty bucks or so a magazine, which, you know, I guess if I sell a dozen of them, that's money. But it's only six dollars more though than a real ma- or than a new magazine, though. Yeah, they wonder why print's dying. <laughs> well, well, there you go, right there. You got to hang on to them until print magazines no longer exist in their entirety. So. Just keep on waiting for that return on your investment. Yeah, there there are some that I've got. I'm, I mean, I guess Barry Bonds isn't valuable anymore, but like I've got a bunch of them, like Tom Brady. I've got probably 12 or 13 Tom Brady Patriots covers. And right now, they're probably not worth much. But in 20 years, a, a post-Tom Brady Super Bowl win cover, I know there's a Patriots fan out there that would spend money on that thing. So maybe it's a... Uh, an appreciating investment that I've got right now. But, yeah, the swimsuit editions don't really have that much value anymore. I've got one from, like, 1984 or something like that that my dad had that he gave me. Damn, I'm getting him in trouble today, too. <laughs> um, Ken's taking everyone down with I this know, question. Right? Well, uh, that one's got some value to it. That one, I-, I looked up that cover, and people are selling those online for, like, 60 70 bucks. And if you have a bunch of them, there's value, but... Um. Yeah, I've got a handful of them. That Mississippi Mayhem one's that, that one's not going anywhere. I'm not selling that one forever. Um, I've got a bunch of Saints ones. I've got the post Super Bowl Saints Sports Illustrated cover. I mean, I, I I'm going to keep that one as well. But I know there's a Saints fan out there that could that could buy it. But uh, I've got a f- I mean five or six big boxes full of Sports Illustrated magazines, and, and it, it's it, part of me. It's kind of sad, you know, that that's going by the wayside because I loved Sports Illustrated Day. I read it cover to cover. I, I loved it. And the industry's dying. They never adapted at all. And now making the cover of SI isn't impactful anymore. I mean, you don't even know what they are. Um, it stinks, honestly. It really does. And there was, there used to be like a Sports Illustrated Kids thing that me and my brother would get when we were really young and that kind of started us out you know really staying in touch with Sports Illustrated looking at the covers looking at everything in there then kind of graduating on to you know the regular edition and reading through it now you don't get that at all I mean you can go to you can go to websites and stuff but it's not the same feeling as getting that in the mail and being able to really flip through it and read through it yeah and it's the same thing, magazines and, and tickets. So <laughs> somebody says, I'll give you five bucks to stop talking about it. Just kidding. I love the Sunday show. Um, 
Yeah, and same thing with tickets too. I mean, like this weekend, for example, I, I imagine that you guys have that that are going to the game have tickets to the game today, and you get to keep those. And every game my dad and I went to when when I was a kid, he would take the tickets and he would buy a game program and, and he would get them framed the program over the tickets. And, and I've got these, and um, we're going. That's going by the wayside too. You see more and more, and they were they were doing this before COVID happened, but now that COVID happened, it's kind of a convenient excuse to start doing this, very similar to the remote broadcasters, which is just garbage, by the way. And Mississippi State got a much better broadcasting pair than Ole Miss did this weekend, without a doubt. But you can tell that Dave Neal is struggling some. I mean, how long has that guy been in this? Decades. He's polished. He's a professional. He's, I know like people like to make fun of him. I think he's very good at his job. And you can tell he struggles. Because like a guy yesterday hit a ball into a corner. And there's runners. I don't remember the exact inning, but it was in the Mississippi State game. But you guys will probably remember better than me. Ball gets hit down the line. And Dave Neal can't tell you if runners are scoring or not because the camera is focused on on the right fielder, and he can't look up and see one run scores, two run scores. You hear Dave Neal say, one run scores. And, and, and they held him up at third. Like, little things like that. It's just garbage. So, uh, that is, get used to that, guys. I mean, this that's here to stay. Basketball season this year, when Mississippi State goes to Alabama on a Tuesday night, don't be surprised if the guys calling the game are at home or, or in Bristol. It's a cost-cutting measure. That's why they're doing this. Sometimes we don't need to cut costs like tickets. We're, we're doing this virtual ticket thing now where, where you just scan your phone. But what happens when you scan your phone and watch the greatest game you've ever seen? And yeah, you'll remember it because you were there. But there was something about flipping through some of my dad's old memorabilia and him having an old ticket stub to a Super Bowl that he went to. Got to watch John Elway play in a Super Bowl. Yeah, looking at a screenshot of your phone ticket from StubHub, not the same thing. No. You could see it on his face when he grabbed... We we were looking through all kinds of like old baseball cards and stuff that he had. This was a while ago, and he grabbed that ticket. And you could see his face light up because that, that piece of paper... Brought him back to where he sat on the second-to-last row in the Superdome. Couldn't see the field, but he knew John Elway was down there somewhere. I think it was Elway. But you could see it on his face. And we're losing that. We're losing the Sports Illustrated covers and the tickets and all that stuff. We're losing the the broadcasters at the game. Some of this stuff needs to, needs to stop. And if you're wondering how we got here, it's because today is very similar to that few weeks in 2014 where Mississippi was on top of the sports world. Baseball's not football, but today we're on top of the world. And let's hope we send two teams to Omaha today. This is Sports Sunday. 601-879-4395 is the text line. So this sparked some interest. I'm glad you guys are with me. I, I, I can't tell you. Steven and I talk about this some, and, and I say it far too often on this show, but the fact that this terrible time slot... Uh, I mean, this is the worst time slot in the business, seriously. Sunday at 8 a.m. in a very uh, Christian state. One of the last frontiers of Christianity in this country is Mississippi. It's a very Christian state. It's church morning right now, church time. 
and we make it impossible for you to find us. The stations are hour here, hour there, 30 minutes here, not at all here, but it's all over the place. And so the fact that this has an audience and a good one is pretty awesome. And uh, we thank you for that. But this sparked some conversation. Lonnie's asking if I have any Elway. He says, go fish. Buddy, I will look. And if I've got one, I will not make you pay for it. I'll send it to you. So um, just remind me. I will look today. I promise. Um, And if I have any Elway covers. It's more modern. We really started collecting them after um, I got interested in sports. So they, they go back to, you know, like 2000 or so, I think, is the, the oldest one I have. My dad has some old ones as well. But um, if there's Elway, I will uh, I will send you an Elway, no problem. Jeff McComb says, I don't even remember the last time I saw Sports Illustrated. Man, me either. It, it stinks. I mean, the, the cover athletes this week, and it, I, it's going to sound like I'm making fun. I'm actually not because I do, you guys are going to think I'm a nerd. I appreciate esports. And an online video game players because these these kids are making a killing. Like it's unbelievable how much money these guys are making now. The Phase Clan, the Call of Duty team, was the on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week. It doesn't have quite it the same feel. It, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and I know they're very very popular. I mean, one of the guys. LeBron James's kid was on it, and I know so I know that turns a lot of you off from it. But like, there's a guy on there. His his name is Nick Merckx, right? That's not his real name, but that's his little video game name or whatever. He's pulling in like 800k a month playing video games online and letting people watch him do it. It's ridiculous, but I mean that that's kind of what it is now. The last cover that I have held in my hand of Sports Illustrated is that 2014 Ole Miss Mississippi State. That's the last cover I've held in my hand. Um, it's sad. It's just an end of an era. David says, in my younger days, me and my friends loved trying to guess who would be on the cover of SI every week. Same here. And when you would get it, you'd be fired up. Like, oh, heck yeah. It's Barry Bonds who cheated the game. But yeah, like I watched him hit a home run last night. Now he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated in... You you would it was like the the sports bible for a while. JP says uh, I'm super bummed about tickets. I think this is JP. Maybe I'm wrong. JP, I need to save your number. So if this is not you, let me know which one is you because this number looks very similar to yours. Um, this says I'm super bummed about tickets disappearing. They're my favorite. Every single one has a story. Seriously, Bork, you make me sad talking about losing tickets, man. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to do that this morning, but they're going by the wayside. I, I just I hope the programs here will at least accommodate you if you want hard tickets still. So especially for like season tickets, I would imagine season tickets you can you still get so. like the book, like yeah. where you get all of them in one go. And because a lot of them usually do like commemorative tickets of like you know players from the past or cool events. And yeah, if you just send someone an email, it's not the same, and you just have that that barcode. My and my big thing with that is, what if your phone doesn't work? If you get to the stadium, and surely this has happened already, and they've been doing mobile ticketing for a long time now. But yeah, if you get to the stadium and you don't have any service and you can't pull up that email, what do you do? 
I, I guess you got to screenshot it ahead of time, but I guess it's there's there's something about for so I, I went to the Ole Miss Alabama game in 2014. That was a heck of a day, and I'm sure there, there are people that have this thing that they can do with all these tickets they have. But I can when I look at that ticket in my office, I can remember the day, everything about it. When I look at that that just that piece of paper that came with it. I can remember everything about being there. It means something. So, William says, I have over 100 signed Sports Illustrated covers. I hate I can't continue that. Um, that was GP. Okay, I got to actually save this name. I just I, I recognize you based on, on what you say and how you say it. So I've never saved your name because I know it's you. Um, that's a compliment, by the way. I hope you, you take it as that. Um, Tim and Corn says about the only SI issue I've seen in the last two three years is a swimsuit issue. <laughs> yeah, those still make it on shelves everywhere. Paula says I'm with you on the remote announcers. Uh, the reason to go to the games is to see what you can't see on television. Now the announcers can't see everything, and I hate virtual tickets. Somebody in front of me always can't get theirs to scan. Plus, I have many stubs over the years. She says she's on her way to church after watching every pitch last night. Uh, it's so a late night or early morning, depending on how you look at it, Paula. But uh, glad you are uh, you're with us this morning, and you're exactly right. And it, like there were Mississippi State broke an attendance record for a super regional yesterday, broke the record. Almost fifteen thousand people were in Starkville yesterday watching that game. That go ahead home run sounded like there was a thousand people in the stands. The, the broadcasters are so much louder than the natural sound. It sounds like they're in a cave. I mean, that should have been... I think I've said this on this show before, but the one thing I love about when CBS broadcasts games is they sacrifice... This has got to be on purpose because it's every game on CBS. They sacrifice hearing the announcers for crowd noise. It sounds like the guys calling the games NFL and college have to yell over the crowd. And I think it's it's so authentic. And you you get the exact opposite. And this, the, the exact opposite happened in Sarkville yesterday. You couldn't hear the, the most attended college baseball super regional game ever. And you couldn't hear it. It stinks. It, uh, it really stinks. That's a great point about the way CBS broadcasts those games. And... You know, next time we have a full crowd at an LSU-Alabama game, which will be this season, really try to try to be conscious of that. And when it's third and nine or whatever, and you know, you're, the team's on their opposing uh, on the opposing side of the field, and it's a big moment. Really listen for how they have to scream yeah. to get their point across, and it makes them feel like they're part of the moment. Not that they are the moment. And that's yeah. what you want from your broadcast. I mean, Nance and Romo. Romo's having to yell, It's a big third down, Jim! Right, see if they're going to uh, swing it to the outside. Like He's having to yell. And it's awesome. I think it's so much better. Um, and Ken, this is an interesting text. He said, You have re-sparked an interest in sports. I had lost all trust in pro sports, and you guys have a good show. Well, we appreciate that, man. Uh, th- this was actually... There's a lot more text. And, of course, we'll get to the nuts and bolts of the games themselves. But I did see this uh, yesterday. So um, 
a lot of times when we talk about pro sports, even the NFL, and this is a huge Saints and Cowboys state, and sometimes we still get, when we bring up the NFL or talk about it, we get the usual phrase, bunch of spoiled babies. People use the word thugs. Just a bunch of spoiled thugs. Why should we care about pro sports? Those rich, entitled jerks. Well, um, New Orleans Saints left tackle Teron Armstead uh, yesterday um, opened, oh gosh, I forget what it was called, but it's uh, he opened it up in Old Metairie, and it's a learning center for kids that are not receiving adequate resources in local education. Uh, he, he funded it. This is his project that he is financing himself. He built one in his hometown, one in New Orleans, and it sounds like he's going to do a bunch more, where they give underprivileged youth educational opportunities, the newest technology, tutoring, everything for free. And I read that story and I kept thinking, you know, it's sad that there are people out there that look at professional athlete and automatically think spoiled, entitled thug. Because Terrar Armstead is using the talent that he has, that he worked his whole life to achieve, in a big contract worth a lot of money, and he could buy a bunch of cars, and I'm sure he's got them. He could buy a bunch of houses and live a lavish lifestyle very selfishly if he wanted to. But instead, he looked at an issue, an underfinanced issue, and is using his wealth to change the lives of kids that he he doesn't know and he doesn't need to help. But he is. So I'm glad that you've come around, Ken, because... There's a lot of incredible people that happen to be very wealthy based on their athletic ability, and Teron Armstead is one of them, and he's making a difference, and a lot of them do. So next time you want to apply a blanket statement to professional athletes, remember Teron Armstead, who is providing educational opportunities to kids that would not get it without him. It's a really cool story. Sports Sunday, we'll be right back. Michael Borky and Steven Gagliano with you. It is Sports Sunday. A few more of your texts, and then we'll start talking baseball. A couple of wins yesterday, setting up the big day. As we mentioned, we can send two teams to Omaha today, and I hope it happens. Man, do I hope it happens. What a story that would be. And naturally, I'll be on vacation during Omaha. So, <laughs> plan that one well. Well, I took off during the regional. You take off during Omaha. Yeah. We're just we're great at timing. Well, so it doesn't start until Monday of next week, right? I believe you're correct. So I'll I would only a miss look. a day of it. I would only miss a day of it. So that's okay. That's okay. William, you're right, though. I mean, he's talking about the go-ahead of home run yesterday in Starkville. He said, I didn't think it was actually a home run based on how it sounded on TV. No. It didn't sound like one. It should have been one of those moments where uh, it starts Saturday. I thought it started Monday or Tuesday. June? No, Monday. Uh, the finals start Monday, June twenty eighth. Okay, so the the first day of the College World Series is Saturday, June nineteenth. Well, that's a problem to worry about next week. Actually, I don't even know what today's date is. 
After a week off, my brain is all over the place. Dang it, man. Oh, well. Uh, I mean, what can I do? What uh, what can I do? Is it at least like an exciting vacation? Just going to the beach that for, counts. for a few days. Yep. Gosh. Oh, well. Honestly, I learned after this last week, any vacation is exciting. Just not being at work is incredible. I've never taken a vacation longer than, like, more than two days off from work at a time. So being not being here for seven straight days was incredible. But that was nice. Yeah. Other than this show. I, I enjoy this show, but, you know, if it wasn't for this, I may have never come back. Just kidding. If anyone out there important is listening. <laughs> Jason says, Dave Neal was late, especially on the winning home run. Jim Ellis was not. Uh, Bone Indianola says, they're not going to change it. They will get better at it by more cameras for announcers and working around sound issues. They're saving too much money. Yeah, it's That's what it is. I, I've been asked a thousand times, you know, why are they doing it this way? It's cost-cutting. They, they were testing it pre-COVID with college basketball. COVID is now a convenient excuse uh, to make this permanent. They'll, they'll use the phrase new normal or whatever, and in reality, it's a business that's losing money because they put all of their eggs in the let's scream at each other basket, even though a blue-haired guy on Twitch gets more viewers than First Take, that's what they've decided to spend $20 million a year on, and so they've got to cut, uh, cut costs elsewhere. And so this isn't going away. Sadly, we just have to get used to it. But Especially for baseball and basketball. Yep. I think they'll still try for football. Oh, football, they'll be in person. And primetime games especially, those will, those will always be in person. Those were in person for the most part even last year when nothing was in person. Yeah. So I think football, they'll try their hardest to get as many games in person with the broadcast. But sports like baseball, basketball, and some of the other college sports, I think those will be very, very few and far between where the announcers are actually there, which yeah. is a shame. Your uh, your Tuesday night South Carolina at Missouri game is not going to have people in Columbia anymore. Quinn says, uh, speaking of Barry Bonds, he had a schnauzer at the Westminster Dog Show this week, and he says, crazy but not kidding, and he sends us a picture of Barry Bonds with his schnauzer at the dog show. Um, I wonder if you can juice your dog show dogs. Is there any process there? Probably. To, like, make their coats more shiny and stuff. You yeah. can use other kind of products Some and Some illegal whatnot. supplements. Yeah, absolutely. But they make it harder to find in the test. Yeah. Lonnie's wondering who's going to bring the banana costumes to Omaha this year. That guy needs to go back. The one that was on the... He made his way onto the news where he said, like, oh, I sold my wife's boyfriend something. Or Remember yeah, that? Yeah, that we was had that guy excellent. on the show. He was funny. Yeah, my, <laughs> um, he said, my wife's boyfriend sold his prosthetic leg to That's send me it here. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, this is, this is how stupid people are sometimes. Uh, the number of people that thought that he was telling the truth is I mean, it's so sad. It's like the people that fall for the onion headlines, you know? It's like, how at this point do you think that that's real? Right, they'll share it. Like, can you believe that this is going on? No, I no, can't believe it because, because it's not real. Jeez. Oh, man. 
One of you says, um, you might catch a break. There's a 50% chance something is out in the Gulf. Really? Okay, so what's going to happen, though, is if that's real, I won't be going to Omaha because I'm supposed to be at the beach. So all the plans and stuff, if Ole Miss and Mississippi State go to Omaha, Richard Haydad will go, but I I won't because I'll be on vacation. And so all the plans and the hotels and everything and stuff will be will be done if if that is in fact what the company decides. I don't know. Uh, their decisions are not ones that they make with my input, and that's how it should be. <laughs> that's how it should be. Uh, they don't consult me on travel plans, and they shouldn't. Because I would say, yeah, let's go literally everywhere. <laughs> let's, let's travel the world. Why not? I, I even proposed us doing a – I think the last day they asked for my input on travel was when I proposed us doing a remote from Mannings in New Orleans uh, the day that the Saints opened the season with the Texans a couple years ago. Yeah, I could see why they stopped asking And after you. that, I was like, okay, Michael's <laughs> an idiot. Um, but the thing is, they'll make all the plans and stuff for Omaha, and I'll still – not be able to go because I'm supposed to go on vacation. And if I go on vacation and a hurricane comes, I'll just have to come back here. So it's a lose-lose regardless, but that would be a shame if if something's coming up the coast already. That's a shame. Another one says, uh, there are no more concert ticket stubs, and I have lots of them from the 80s and 90s. See, stuff like that. I'm going to go see Sticks this summer, and I'll get in using my phone. Try to get one for that Pat Benatar poison thing at Truist Park next summer that we talked about. Is it Pat Benatar poison and uh, Motley Crue, right? That's right, yeah. See, I feel like for those kind of concerts... Vince Neil has seen better days. (laughs) With a bunch of, like, with a bunch of 80s and 70s bands, I think they need to offer physical tickets for those. Because I think that offers kind of a nostalgia thing along with it. So... I don't think they will because that's just the way of the world. But there should be a case-by-case basis with those kind of things. And uh, JP sends us a screenshot. There is a tropical storm forming in the coast. That's just lovely. That is just lovely. On the baseball front, I I had a a good tweet yesterday that I'm awful proud of. I said uh, Notre Dame is really or Notre Dame really struggling to play defense against an SEC team is something you usually see in January. (laughs) <laughs> Four errors for uh, the Fighting Irish. Uh, that was the story of the game, really. I mean, it was a slugfest. Both really good teams trading blows one after the other. But the story was the extra outs that Notre Dame gave Mississippi State. Mississippi State was much cleaner, had an error themselves, but much, much cleaner than Notre Dame was defensively. And when you're in that kind of a slugfest, that's the difference in the game, Mississippi State wins 9-8 to in what was an unbelievable atmosphere. 14,385 Mississippi State fans in the stadium yesterday. And just uh, a really fun, really fun game. And the best part about this for Mississippi State now is uh, Notre Dame burned their best bullpen arm. Now, he's always uh, been an extended relief guy. You are probably only going to see him once anyway. But Colip pitching in a loss is very similar to Landon Sims pitching in a loss. Like, if State threw Sims yesterday for a handful of innings and you lose the game, it felt like you almost lost a game and a half. 
That's how good this guy is, and you're not going to see him today. That's that's Notre Dame's best bullpen arm. He threw 78 pitches, possibly done for the weekend, even if Notre Dame wins today. So uh, game within the game, if you will, is Mississippi State's much deeper bullpen versus Notre Dame's. Now Notre Dame was with, is without their best arm moving forward, and you've got to feel really good about your chances today. Of course, you were going to feel good about your chances today regardless. Um, but having him throw in a loss is like winning a half of a game right there. Uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. Not to get negative after a win. Um, Bedner not efficient yet again. It really wasn't that great yesterday. And that's it's kind of it's three weeks in a row now where you haven't gotten high-level starts. But it didn't matter because your offense showed up. Notre Dame you know, kept a couple windows open and you slammed them shut. And and you get a big win, uh, a series opening win. Now you're one away from Omaha, and you get a normal start time today, unlike what's going on in Tucson. But big, big win. Awesome atmosphere. And Mississippi State baseball did what Mississippi State baseball does. It doesn't matter the score. It was 7-3 to three at one point, and it just it doesn't matter. The, the confidence oozes out of that dugout and 7-3 was nothing to those guys as is tradition for Mississippi State. It's what they do. It's just what they do. 6-0-1-8-7-9-4-3-9-5 is the text line. We'll be right back. Bone Indianola says, you're right, Mississippi State is used to being down. I mean, it's what they do. Yesterday is not surprising at all. It's They've built a brand on it. It's just, when they were down 7-3, I'm not going to lie. I thought, oh, wow, this is, um, they're going to have to win too. I, you know, that's going to be tough to come back from this. And then they started doing it. And I thought, wait, what, what was I thinking? Of course, of course they're going to win this game. I mean, it's not surprising at all. It's what they do. It's simply what they do. It's so impressive about the culture of that program. Well, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but it bears repeating. As long as they have a strike left, they believe they're going to win. It's a mindset. Do they always win? Obviously not. It's baseball. But that belief spills out into actions on the field, and yesterday was another prime example of that. They go down 7-3, to three, and I promise you, not a single person in that dugout panicked at all. They're just like, eh, okay. They put up a three spot, they're up 7-3. to three. Guess what? Here's three more. Then you get a zero on the scoreboard, and boom, here's two more. Now we got a lead. I mean, it's it's just what they do. It's really impressive. So a couple of years ago, what was it? Twenty eight comeback wins, something in like a single that. season. I'm not sure how many they have this year. It's not that many, but still, it it is just so impressive. Literally every time that they're down, you get the sense that they they have more fight in them, and they have that chance to come back and win, just like they did yesterday. Yep. So it's just what they do. JP says Notre Dame was fielding at a ridiculous clip coming in. Hey, Dad mentioned that to the Irish beat writer Friday. What a way to speak their unraveling into existence. Um, I mean, it's what Notre Dame does in the postseason against SEC teams. I know Brian Kelly's not in that dugout, but it felt like it yesterday. Man, he'd be red-faced screaming at them if he was, though. <laughs> oh, man. Man. And Mississippi State's one error, by the way, um, ended up working out in their favor. Uh, Notre Dame runner got 
overzealous and tried to take third and was thrown out, but the umpire called it a fair uh, a foul ball, even though it was three steps inside when it was dropped. That was a bizarre sequence of events there. Um, but it all worked itself out. Notre Dame stepped all over their own two feet yesterday, and Mississippi State made them pay. That's what happens. He continues, after watching the Rebs until 1.10 a.m., I sat up until 1.40, giving the save Nikhazy for Game 3 idea some thought. Conclusion, can't do it. Even with a 10-run cushion, it's hard to say the Rebs would have had matched that output or put or that Arizona wouldn't have been more opportunistic at the plate last night with Doug out. Um, it's obvious that that team plays differently when Nikhazy's on the mound. And how could you not? I mean, how comfortable must you be knowing that that guy's on the mound? We don't do Mount Rushmore stuff around here because I think it's lazy, but when you're talking about Ole Miss pitchers, you've got a lot of great ones. Pomeranz, Lynn, Ryan Rawlson recently was really good. You've got a bunch of them in the history of the program. If you had to win one game, why are you not picking Doug Nikhazy? Don't look at pro careers. I know Lance Lynn is still doing awesome in the pros, but what Doug Nikhazy is able to do and what he has done, and his stuff, is it's not like he's got high-level stuff. He's not throwing a 98-mile-an-hour fastball with a bunch of arm side run. His breaking pitch to, that he throws inside on righties, though, is just it's just stupid. But He's mi- surgical more than yep. he is overpowering when you watch him. And uh, I think it was Pitching Ninja yesterday showed where how Nikhazy throws the ball. His his foot is it's it's he's angled so differently. His the way he comes to the plate is so different than so many pitchers. It's like his body's twisted and his foot's like way on the side of the mound, and he hides the ball really well. That's why his fastball comes at you so fast, even though you know he's throwing low 90s at best, but it just gets to you quicker because he hides the ball well with a very unique delivery. But it's the mentality that, that he has and that he brings to his team. It's, it's special. He's the most headstrong pitcher I've ever seen, possibly, I mean, in my life. I can't think of anybody... That is more headstrong than that. Doesn't matter the moment. I mean, he was frustrated last night. Arizona made him work for it. That's a great Arizona offense. He had to work for it. Fouling off pitches, fouling off pitches, fouling off pitches. He struck a guy out yesterday and did this with his arms. He was like, finally! I mean, geez, this guy... And it doesn't phase him. It doesn't matter the moment. It doesn't matter the atmosphere. It doesn't matter what his team's doing, what his offense is doing. He just goes and shoves and... He did it again last night, and his team plays differently with him on the mound. The offensive approach two days ago versus yesterday, it looked like a completely different team. And I think a lot of that has to do with who they've got on the mound. They play more confident when he's there, and how could you not? I think when you have the conversation of greatest Ole Miss pitchers ever, if you don't talk about him at the top, I think you're making a mistake. And that's not recency bias. Look at the numbers. Kid's unbelievable. That Arizona offense is special. Didn't make them look like it. Rubber match coming up tonight. Hour two coming up next. 
Our number two sports Sunday. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you. And if you want to be part of the conversation, you can. 601-879-4395 on the text line. Talking baseball, Mississippi State got a slugfest win yesterday. Ole Miss dominated game two after getting dominated in game one. Nikhazy was what he is. I mean, just like Mississippi State coming back from 7-3 is just kind of their brand, Doug Nikhazy shutting down an elite-level lineup is just his brand. I mean, it's what he does. Uh, and Quinn, you're right, he's just an alpha. It's And he seems so goofy and laid back. In between innings, I mean, he's finding the camera and pointing at the camera and yelling at it and stuff and just, like... It's just like he's hanging out with the bros, having a beer, like slinging darts. I mean, that that's kind of how he acts, and it's just. And then he takes the mound and he straps up and competes and shuts down incredible lineups. I mean, and the team responds differently. JP says, as a lefty, Nikhazy spins it surgically, changes speeds efficiently, can paint the inside of a coffee can routinely. And you're absolutely right; they have a different juice when he's out there. Uh, it's completely different, like a different team. And they need to bring that energy uh, again today if they want to win. But luckily, as uh, one of you pointed out earlier, um, bullpen's pretty full. I mean, Austin Miller, who struggled all year, came in after Nikhazy and really pitched well last night, which is not something you expected. And it was a good call from Bianco as well. I think he had Doherty up in the pen at least for a little while. Uh, just in case things went south with Miller, but it didn't, which was just as important as Nikhazy being as good as he was. And the offense obviously exploded last night. Um, but now they've got basically a full pin. And Arizona wasn't that good on the mound to begin with. And they had to suspend two guys with a sub-2 ERA on Friday. Heck of a news dump there. They violated the student code of conduct. And that's all the details we've got. But so Arizona's bullpen is depleted already going into the series. Wasn't any good to begin with. And now Ole Miss should feel really good about their position, at least from that standpoint. You start Doherty, and I think you give him a quick hook for Broadway. I don't think you need to wait to close the game with him. He has shown you that he can give you extensive outings. If you can get... I mean, three good innings or four good innings from Doherty, go straight to Broadway. Go straight to him. And let him pitch until he can't anymore. Who do you bring in to close in that scenario? If if Broadway can't finish, what's the score? Uh, up two. I guess it's got to be Johnson. Right. Because he, he threw, what, three pitches yeah, on Friday? Oh yeah, he's, he's good to go. I mean, in a perfect world, you would get four from four, four and a half, if you will, even though there's no halves in baseball uh, from Doherty. You get into the fifth, and then you go to Broadway, and that be the end of the game for you. Um, but, but I wouldn't be afraid, if I were Mike Bianco, to just go to him immediately instead of waiting to have a close situation with him. Give him five innings. He can give you five. He's done. He can pitch that long. And he's rested and ready to go. I wouldn't be afraid to do that. And on the flip side, I mean, you've got to contain Arizona. It's the best offense in college baseball for a reason. Even last night, they showed you how good they were. Nikhazy was sharp. He was, I mean, he was elite last night. And he had to work for it. Had to work hard for it. 
they're really good in a Mickey Mouse BS garbage ballpark that they're playing in. There's no complaints uh, from the Mississippi State side of things. I mean, I, I the the two guys that they uh, they quote sent, even though they're not there to Starkville, good broadcasting team, really know their stuff. They're limited because of where they are, but they're good. And the field there obviously is normal. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you have the uh, the plaza that dips into the field some that makes a, a little short porch out there and right, but otherwise. The dimensions are normal. The field is very well kept. And if the ball goes over the over the fence, it's a home run. In Tucson, there is a big outfield wall. And about 33%, now it's a little bit taller, maybe it's halfway. Up the wall, there is just a line painted across it. And if the ball hits above the line, it, but doesn't go over the fence, it's a home run. If it hits below the line, it's just off off the wall. So they painted a line across their wall, and um, if it goes over the line, it's a home run, even if it doesn't clear the fence. I, I mean, explain that to me. I wish I could. That's the one thing, actually, there's a lot of things about baseball that don't necessarily make sense the way that it's set up. But at every baseball stadium, the bases are 90 feet. The mound is the same length away from the plate. Why is it that every place gets to do these weird things with their walls and fences and dimensions? It's very strange. And when you choose to do such a radical departure from what's normal, it sticks out. And Because in baseball, like I said, you're allowed to do different things with your field as far as dimensions go. But if you're Arizona, why would you choose to do something like that? That's just so stupid, and there's no point to it. And if that's how it was when you took over, because that used to be a spring training site. The spring training scenes in Major League was shot at that place. Um, There's your fun fact of the day. But if there's something behind the field that you need to cover up, for like, you know, maybe there's, although behind the right field wall is their hitting facility. That was paid for by Terry Francona, I think. Because his name's on the outfield wall. That, But it's on the part that's a home run, but it's still the wall. Yeah, that's where Francona's name is. Um, so th- you can't be wanting to cover that up. It, it, it's not an expensive fix to cut the wall in half. I promise you it's not expensive. You can get a couple contractors out there that that would cut that wall in half, and if you have to cover something up, behind there there's ways you can do it where if the ball hits it it's very clear that it carried the fence underneath I don't know it just it's Mickey Mouse and whatever the heck is going on in front of home plate I mean it looked like a herd of wild hogs went through there just in front of home plate it's crazy that the sweet 16 essentially is getting that kind of treatment in a Mickey Mouse ballpark that's not kept well. It's just crazy. And then the broadcast is, is quite bad. I mean, I know it's hard. These guys are doing it from home. It's tough. I understand that. It's not easy. But like on Friday night, when you take up half the screen to do a Zoom call with a former softball coach during game action, and not only are you talking about, oh, what's life like after retirement? 
There's stuff going on. Guy hits a double, they don't even reference it. They don't even show it because half the screen is being taken up by a Zoom call. Could you imagine? That's, that's spring game stuff or yes. spring training baseball. You can't do that during a no. Super Regional. That's absurd. Right. If it's a Tuesday night, whatever. You know, if there's an interesting person in the stadium and Arizona's beating, I don't know, Arizona Tech University Flagstaff, then sure. It's fine. Have a Zoom call. In a Sweet 16 game, while while game action is going on, you're on Zoom chatting about retirement, would you do that in football? Would a college football playoff game, would that happen? In any college football game, would that happen? Never. Or the Sweet 16, or the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Would that happen? Nope. Why do you do it for baseball? Why, why are you doing it for baseball? And... Again, I think the the guys calling the game are fine. They're not the best, but they're fine. It's a tough, it's a really tough job. It's really hard, especially doing it, calling it off of monitors. And they're a heck of a lot better than I ever would be. Optics aren't that big of a deal. But the optics don't look good when a former Arizona player is calling an Arizona Super Regional and he's got his Arizona jerseys hanging up behind him. People are going to look you up and know you played at Arizona, but it just little things like that can really make a difference. I mean, you guys know this. It's no secret. I went to the University of Mississippi for college. I will never wear Ole Miss gear on this show ever. I won't do it, ever. Because why would you listen to me? I know that I do a good job. I know that I can talk about Mississippi State objectively, even though that mentality that I possibly can't comes all the way up even into this office building. Well, a a different office owned by this company. That mentality exists here. I know I can do it, and that's really all that matters. But if I was up here rocking Ole Miss across my chest doing this show, would you listen to me when I talk about State? No, you wouldn't. That's why I don't do it. If you're calling a super regional game featuring Arizona, maybe take down your Arizona memorabilia behind you or or set up your broadcast in a different spot. Or just op- move it slightly to yeah. the left. Or the optic because the optics there just don't look good. I think he's he's been fine. He hasn't been biased, but come on, man. Do better than that. We'll be right back. See, this is what I, this is what I'm talking about right here. I, I get somebody it tweets at me. I agree. Y'all got the JV crew. I, I, I'm i not on the freaking team, man. I hate that. I mean, I can't escape it. It's uh, No matter what you do in this ridiculous state, you can't escape that right there. You can't escape it. I've done nothing but been overly complimentary of Mississippi State today and all, all season long, and I will continue to do it and do it honestly, and I still get the y'all treatment. I mean, give me a break. I'm not on the freaking team, man. God. Uh, you, you wonder why people, media people in this state get so frustrated with stuff like this. Well, well there you go. And no, even no, no matter how honestly you do your job, this is still how you, how you get looked at. There's nothing that I can do. I could sit here and ring a freaking cowbell for two hours every morning, and I still I couldn't get past it. It's the most frustrating thing about living here in this job is you can do it honestly, you can do it the right way, or at least you think so. 
But if you have ever once criticized, which is literally your job, Mississippi State, well, that's it. Can't take you seriously. It's exhausting. And even if it's not necessarily meant as, like, an insult or anything like that, it's still, I don't know, it, it comes across that way. And it, it's almost it's, it's like... Insult. It's absolutely an insult. It's yeah. insulting. And it, it's it's as if you only have the ability to talk about one school, or if you identify with that school. If you choose to identify with that school, where you know where you went to school, then that's fine, but... In this business, you have to be able to be objective and be able to talk about everyone equally. And if people perceive it one way, you know, it yeah. it hurts. So, yeah, even if it's not meant as an insult, it, it kind of comes across that way. Yeah. So We get a text tricky. here. Uh, who cares what state people think? Their team sucks and so do they. Well, their team does not suck, first of all. Their team is very, very good. And they're going to go to Omaha today, which is awesome. Um, but but I care because if I'm going to if I'm going to maximize my potential for an audience financially otherwise, um, I I do, and I, I I need to because if I sat up here and isolated more than half the state because I think there are more state fans in Mississippi than Ole Miss fans I think I think that's pretty fair feels that way anyway. Um, then I'd be doing a disservice. That'd be it'd be irresponsible for me to do that, honestly. As somebody that has a statewide platform, if I just openly mocked Mississippi State or Old Miss, that's doing a disservice to the audience. And it is. I'm gonna criticize when it's warranted. I'm gonna praise when it's warranted. And anyway. And I feel bad. And the person that tweeted at me is a nice guy. I just um, it's that that mentality. The, the y'all thing especially drives me nuts. I'm not on a, I'm not on a team. I'm on team my wife and son and doing what's best for them. That's what team I'm on. I think unfortunately, <sighs> it, what drives that is so much of media. I think. In this state specifically, I think you have a lot of fans that cover teams, and I think people can't necessarily look past a lot of them, and then instantly anyone that talks about Ole Miss or Mississippi State has to fall into one of those two categories. That's I don't know. I'm not from Mississippi. I've been here long enough now to where I think I have a pretty good lay of the land, and that's how it comes across to me as somebody in media in Mississippi. Oh, man. Uh, Zach says, now we've established you're wondering a cowbell on air, and it's just a matter of price. Let's talk numbers. I mean, I'll do it for free. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I've got a cowbell up in my office, actually. Um, I know you watched the stream, so I'll show it to you tomorrow. It's awesome. Um, it was given to me when my son was born. Somebody trying to indoctrinate him, which is fine. Um but I, you know, I've always been told that you can't buy your first one. It's got to be given to you. So now I can buy one for anybody. I think that's the rule, right? Is is you're not supposed to buy your first one. It's supposed to be gifted to you. Can you not buy one for someone else until someone buys? I think one you for can. You? I think you can buy one for someone else. You cannot buy one for yourself unless it's gifted to you. Got it. That's that's how it was relayed to me when I got my first one. Now I've got two. 
One is uh, one's light blue though. It was um, for for one my when we knew that we were having a son. It's a powder blue cowbell. Uh, but I guess in 2021 we should let him pick his own. Anyway, ooh, need to be careful. Um, and then I have uh, just a regular old, you know, good old Mississippi State cowbell. But yeah, man, I'll I'll do anything for 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 money, man. I'll endorse any product. I I had a guy tell me on Twitter that. Uh, um, There's a good sales pitch for this yeah. show. <laughs> that, I'll endorse anything for money. <laughs> I'll, I'll endorse anything. Uh, that that Matt Corral's main endorsement is going to be a makeup line. I was like, shoot, man, I'll endorse a makeup line if they pay me for it. Like, I know you're trying to insult the kid, but I, I bet if, if a local makeup company was like, hey, Corral, here's 20 grand. You want to do some commercials? He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> hey, ask any yeah. male TV reporter. They wear it. There, yeah, there's a there's a market out there for it. I know we're doing the online, uh, the streaming and video stuff, and we're on Seaspire TV and all that. Uh, we have not been asked to put makeup on yet. Not yet. Not once, yet. Once they move the cameras up a little bit, yeah, bring then that thing it. right here. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, no, I'll endorse anything. I'm not scared. Money's money. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, Manscaped. If they if they want to help me out, I'll I'll do those goofy ad reads on this show. They sponsor just about everything, so you might as well. Yeah, I don't know if I'm big enough for that just yet. My promo code will get them like twenty dollars, and it'll be for me <laughs> using my own promo code. Oh man, I feel like that's standard practice. If you have a promo code for something, I would just spam it for whatever. If if somebody's paying me to say something. I would spam it so it makes it seem like I've got a huge audience of people just, you know, clamoring for my promo code. It's like, um, was it Nathan? Is it Nathan Felder, that that the goofy guy? And there's a that viral tweet that he has where he, he took a selfie. Where it's really just like his face, and he's like, "I'm out on the town having a great time. My friends are also with me. They're just out of frame." <laughs> Yeah, that's me endorsing products. Like a pyramid scheme. You ever uh, have somebody you knew in college try to pitch you a pyramid scheme? Multiple times. What is it, Arbon? I don't know. <laughs> at least that's what it sounds like anyway. They want you to join my team or it works or whatever. Yeah, it's always someone you haven't talked to in a long right. time. They always reach out. It's like, hey, man, how have you been? You look great. By the way... I'm selling this, you know, whatever this product is, and I think it'd be perfect for you. You can also help me sell it if you really want to. I had a... <laughs> this other person, you know, bought, they were able to get a free car because they sold so much, so could you. I had a, a guy that I knew in high school sent, find my Facebook page and send it a message, and he wants to be my financial advisor. And it's like, uh, hey, Max... I remember that time in high school you got arrested for marijuana possession, so I don't know if I want you being my financial advisor. All right, man. Uh, I, and I know you dropped out of college. Like, <laughs> we know each other, and that's not good for you, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I don't want anyone that I knew in college or high school handling my, my yeah, finances. It's like, I, I know too Nothing much about you. Them. And I'm sure, you know, they're great people, but I don't want them handling my money. Oh, it's like the, the people you knew in college, too, the, the, the girls that become teachers. 
It's like, oh man, I I, I know I I know too much. I've seen too much about you. Uh, I mean, I, there there's one person I know in particular that uh, is like a second grade teacher, and I don't want her within 500 feet of a school. <laughs> Now she's molding young minds. If my fiance is watching, or not fiance anymore, wow, that's weird. If my wife Your is wife, watching yeah, on the stream, the wrong with you, I'm man. not laughing at, the, at you, Taylor. Don't worry. Oh, she's a teacher? She is. Poor yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you married her. It's too late now. Exactly. She's stuck with you. Just tell her I said it. I, I will. She'll be upset with me regardless now when I get home because I called her my fiance, not my wife. That's multiple times now this week. It, you'll stop yourself and be like, oh, wait, no. You get used to it. Oh, man, having fun this morning. Having a good time, having a good time. That would be great if that song was queued up to lead us out here from Queen. Yeah. Life doesn't work out that way sometimes. No, I guess I could have put it in there if <laughs> nah, I was. Uh, it, w- it happened like in the moment. It wouldn't I was have worked out. About it, but oh man, it is great to be with you guys. Though this is this is a lot of fun. Got fired up this morning too. I mean, why not? Happy. We're laughing. We're talking baseball. We're talking about teachers that shouldn't be teachers. I mean, it's a mixed bag this morning, but having fun nonetheless. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We'll be right back. David Ripley asking if we actually stayed up for that game last night. So I'd be lying if I said that I saw every pitch. Now, I did see the end of the game, and I saw most every pitch, but there were a couple of times where I dozed off there for a second. Luckily, one of my dogs really had to go to the bathroom, and she wouldn't leave me alone. And so I I, I dozed off for a second. She came up and nosed my hand, and that woke me up. That was one of them. Uh, but I did see the end. Yeah, I'm running on fumes this morning. I bet Steven is, too. I will admit that I did not stay up for the end. I fell asleep after the strike him out throw him out I had intentions of staying up, and I probably would have if our flight yesterday didn't get delayed and we had to deplane and do all that, and it pushed everything back by about three hours. So I was exhausted of traveling, so I made it up to that point and fell asleep. I offered a prediction on the game before I fell asleep, and I was wrong. So, I, you know, I tried my best, but, you know, I'll be up for tonight's game. Because it starts right. an hour earlier, thank God. At least, Mrs., uh, like I said earlier, at least Mississippi State's getting normal times. So we can actually watch watch their game. Um, and Jason, I don't know why uh, there, there were no ads during the break there. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to find out why, but uh, I mean nobody's nobody pays for this show anyway, so all the ads that run are free. So maybe they heard us talking about endorsements and they just canceled all the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Dunzo. As long as this part of the show people are hearing, that's yeah. what's important. All right, Stephen put a lot of work into getting the show together. Uh, let's uh, run through a bunch of this stuff quickly. Vanderbilt cruises to Omaha because, of course, they did. They overcame adversity. You want to talk about adversity? Vanderbilt deals with it on an annual basis. I mean, having to figure out how you're going to use more scholarships than everybody else uh, got to be difficult for for Corbin up there. So seeing them overcome. 
uh, overcome their scholarship advantage, one that is so drastically different than the ones that we have here in Mississippi. It's always a nice story when you see people that have more than everybody else have more success because of that than everybody else. It's always nice when, when teams like Vanderbilt story. wins. Yeah, the Cinderella story. Um, assistant greenskeeper, I don't know where, about to become the Masters champion. So yeah, Vanderbilt dominated, whatever, who cares? I, I don't care. I, I think it's an embarrassment to the sport that they're allowed to do what they do. And it's an embarrassment to college athletics that this situation exists, and nobody does anything about it, even though everybody knows about it. It's really embarrassing. If you want college baseball to really grow, this kind of stuff has to end. It has to end. But, you know, hate the, uh, hate the game, not the player. Vanderbilt's just doing what they're allowed to do. It's not their fault they're allowed to do this. So why wouldn't they? If you're going to get a legal advantage, take, it, take advantage of it. I mean, you guys going to not ask your accountant to find ways to have you spend less in taxes? No. You're going to do that. Vanderbilt's just got a really good accountant. And it's, yeah, it's just not a level playing field. Nope. And when you say that, you know, Alabama is clearly on a different playing field in college football than Ole Miss and Mississippi State and a lot of other schools. But that'd be like saying they have another distinct advantage because a rule allows them to be even better than the best teams in college football. That'd be like saying they have a leg up on Clemson, Ohio State, any other school that's at the top because they're allowed to sign more five-star players, basically. Because they're allowed to pull, or they're able to pull from a bigger talent pool, because they can offer scholarships to more elite players. It's as simple as that. This this does not exist in other college sports, except under the table recruiting stuff. Of course. But, yeah, it's crazy. Tennessee beat LSU. I just hope Tennessee fans carry this momentum that they've got right now, this care into baseball into every year. Because more atmospheres like the ones you've had in Knoxville lately are great for the sport. I hope they continue. Not that the SEC needs another really good program with a really good coach that's winning, but still. I was really impressed with it last night, and I hope it continues. That's how you grow the sport, with stuff like that right there. College baseball can be electric when you have some people bring electricity to it. And Tennessee has. And... um they took game one uh, in Knoxville, and all eyes are on the LSU coaching search. I talked about it a lot on Friday and uh, on the radio show and the the morning live stream, so we won't rehash everything we said. It's just, I, I think we'll have a lot more clarity tomorrow, or, or maybe into Tuesday, we'll know. As far as everybody knows, Mike Bianco is still a candidate, and I think... It's possible that if offered, he would take the job. But I spent a lot of time talking about it. Nothing has changed since then, at least from my perspective. So uh, we'll uh, we'll move on. Arkansas win, won 20-2 and then lost 6-5. to That's baseball, huh? That's truly one of those things that you cannot explain how that happens. On the football side of things, quarterback drama, quarterback drama. Russell Wilson... Uh, Mandatory minicamp starts for most people this weekend or uh, or into this week. I think mostly tomorrow. 
Some teams have decided not to do it, like the Houston Texans, you know, the really bad Houston Texans with a yeah, bad good. roster. Um, and a new coach with a new system and new schemes has decided that in OTAs, they accomplished everything they needed to and will not be holding minicamp. They're going to be doing less practicing with one of the worst rosters in the league. I feel bad for David Culley, the guy that they hired. Basically, it's just a sacrificial lamb when they are the worst team in the NFL this year, and he gets fired after one, probably maybe two years. I don't know what their offseason has been, but to make that decision to just say, eh, we're good, that shows you, if you're a fan of the Texans, I don't know how you decide to purchase season tickets or individual game tickets for this season and think that your team is even trying. It's pointless. Yeah, supporting somebody that is actively not trying is not something I could do. I'm okay with losing. This is something that my wife and and I talk about when it comes to our son and whether it be sports or whatever he does. I don't want him to be the best. I would that'd be great if he is, but I don't care about that. He will never be measured in life on his wins and losses or if he gets a hit or not or if he gets an A or not. That's not how how we're going to judge him. It's going to be effort. Did you give Everything you possibly could. And if the answer is yes, then I'm proud of you. doesn't matter. Same thing in sports fandom. If your team is trying to win, if they work hard, if they play hard, if they're trying and they lose, it still sucks. You should still make changes and all that stuff. But at least it's easier to swallow, you know? Right. Yeah, if you you see a front office and an organization putting forth no effort, you can't support that. No, you shouldn't anyway. Right, because if you do, that only encourages other teams to still do it. It's, oh, we'll still get their money, or we'll still get their their support no matter what we do. You can't support that kind of stuff. No, you shouldn't anyway. Russell Wilson, remember how he uh, had a trade request? To get out of Seattle, and he gave four specific destinations that he wanted to be traded to. He's trying to do damage control. He met with the media this week and uh, um, is full of crap. Here's a quote. There's a lot of people, there was a whole thing saying that I requested a trade, and that's just not true. I didn't request a trade. I think everything started from there, and then obviously tons of teams were calling. I didn't really want to go anywhere else. I wanted to play in Seattle, but if I had to go somewhere, these are the teams that I would go to. Russell, that's a trade request, man. It's a very specific trade request. But when you or your agent gives your team a list of places you want to go, that is a trade request. By definition. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, you're, you're a really smart guy. You're a really polished guy. You, you're really going to sit there and pretend like that just came out of nowhere or you don't understand where that's coming from? Russell, your agent, I assume, gave the Seahawks a list of teams that you wanted to go to after you went on the Dan Patrick Show and complained about them not listening to you in terms of game planning and stuff like that. You are the reason that that became the whole thing or this whole thing that you mentioned. It's your fault. You are the reason this happened. 
Don't try to tell us that we created something out of nothing, buddy. If you don't go on Dan Patrick's show and complain about how unhappy you are, and then your agent gives a list of teams to your team, this wouldn't have been a thing. You created the thing. I'll clean it up for Sunday morning. Don't pee on my shoes and tell me it's raining. Yeah. Come on, man. You're smarter than that. And nobody believes this. <laughs> this only drummed up the storyline again. I mean, nobody cared anymore. You're staying in Seattle. That's that's fine. You're going to have a good team. And New Orleans and Chicago didn't make a run at you, at least not a good enough one, and that's fine. But come on, man. This is your fault. It's all right. We'll be right back. Zach says, honey, I don't want a divorce. But here's a list of some of your friends I wouldn't mind dating. (laughs) Oh, man. One more time with you. Speaking of NFL quarterbacks, the team president of the Green Bay Packers, Mark Murphy, said this about Aaron Rodgers. Referencing Ted Thompson, often talked about Aaron that he's... And it wasn't just Aaron, a lot of different players. He would say he's a complicated fella, so I'll just say that. More back-and-forth high school drama in this situation. You have Rodgers wanting out, and that breaking on draft night, although it seems like Schefter just kind of sat on that to make the most impact, but still. Then Rodgers doesn't show up for OTAs, and he's in Hawaii hanging out with an actor and the actor's wife and his new fiance that hates football, um, putting pictures on Instagram and all that stuff, just having a good old time. And now the team president's talking about how complicated he is, and it's just so high school. Here's the thing. Um, Dan Lebertard, who I don't particularly like, made a really good point yesterday. Aaron Rodgers has been the face of your franchise and put up with a lot of crap from you for 13 years. Who is more complicated, Aaron Rodgers or you and your front office decisions over the last 13 years? What's more complicated? You're working with an artist here, in a way. He's a little quirky. He's a little weird. But he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. So should you get into a high school drama pissing match, or should you draft a wide receiver once in a decade? Maybe not draft a backup quarterback who's not ready to be a starter in the NFL while he's in his prime with a first-round pick. Or is he just too complicated? And that comes, what, two weeks after... The team president said, the less we talk about this publicly, the better. And we're hoping to get Aaron Rodgers back or whatever. He posted that on some Q&A on the Packers website. And then two weeks later, you say this, that you know is going to make national headlines. And that it's going to kind of reignite this story. Not that it was going away, but, you know, you're you're just giving people more fodder around this story. It, It makes no sense how they're handling this. It makes no sense, and somehow it also makes perfect sense. I, it's a it's a disaster. It is an absolute disaster. I wonder but, if some of this wouldn't happen if the Packers had an actual owner. 
as an organization. They do it that kind of weird way yeah. where they have you know a million different owners. And I, I think if you had one central figure that could talk to a GM or a team president and say, hey, keep this out of the news and figure it out or trade the guy. But it, I, you don't have that central figure in that organization. Just kind of a kind of an odd setup. Very odd. What's not odd is the baseball today. Ole Miss and Mississippi State with wins will both be going to Omaha today. The key for Mississippi State, McLeod's got to be more efficient. Uh, got to be more efficient than Bender was yesterday. Got to be more efficient than he has been the last couple of weeks. He, he's got to be better today because that Notre Dame team, as we learned yesterday, they're confident. And although they were awful in the field, offensively, the environment's not too much for them. They expect to win, and they can mash, and McLeod's got to be really, really good today. And for Ole Miss, you've got to have better offensive approaches. I mean, last night was a completely different story than Friday night. They've been slumping lately. Last four weeks or so, they've been pretty bad offensively until the last game of the regional against Southern Miss when their bullpen was depleted. And last night, when... I don't know what the heck happened, but they just mashed all night, and Doug Nikhazy gave them a confidence boost, I'm sure. So, can they replicate last night's offensive success, and can they get a good start from Doherty? And if that's the case, they're going to Omaha. Mississippi State gets a quality start from McLeod today. They're going to Omaha, and 25% of the College World Series will be a team for Mississippi. We could send five teams in the SEC to the College World Series. Five of, of the eight. Just, a, just what the world wants. It's what we want. That's, that's what everybody but, wants, yeah. Yeah, the SEC to dominate another sport entirely. Another That'd be day, great. Another day at the office for this conference. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week, hopefully, Talking about the College World Series. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.